Well, good morning, church. It's great to be here with you this morning. Uh, We've been going through a series titled The Domino Effect so far this fall, and each week we've looked at a different biblical story that demonstrates the great impact that our faithfulness can have on the world around us. Our faithfulness can directly impact the here and the now, but it has unlimited potential to change the future. We don't know the domino effect we could have on generations to come. It's our hope as we explore these stories that we're able to apply their principles to our lives in a way that allows for our domino effect to be maximized. Before something begins to fall down, there's a tipping point. A tipping point is the point in which a small series of events or incidents become significant enough to cause a larger, more, greater important change to happen. The tipping point is what finally gives a domino the momentum it needs to fall down. Today we're going to be spending some time in the book of Acts looking at uh, a missionary uh, trip that Paul took there in Athens. Our passage gives us a great snapshot of the dominoes uh, typically found in Paul's ministry. Paul had an amazing uh, missional impact on Asia Minor, and throughout the whole New Testament, we get to see the stories of what he was able to do and the people he was able to reach. As we explore the dominoes of Paul's ministry there, I want us to be thinking about what the potential tipping point was for the domino, for the different dominoes that are in this story. Our scripture today comes from Acts 17, verses 16 through 23. Our scripture reader for this week is Glow Gott. So Glow, would you please uh, walk to the center of the room for the reading of God's word? And would all of you please stand up and face the center of the room? We stand and we face the center of the room to remind us that scripture is to be central in our lives and to be the primary lens which we view the world and determine how we live. So Glow, whenever you're ready, go ahead and get started. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as those in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Oropagus, where they said to him, May we know what is this new teaching that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All of the Athenians and foreigners who live there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walk around and look carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with an inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and that is what I am going to proclaim to you. Thanks, Glow. Everyone can be seated, please. Our passage today focuses on the Apostle Paul 
And to better understand his ministry, I think there's wisdom in spending some time getting to know his life a little bit better. Paul was born in Tarsus and was raised there for a good chunk of his childhood. Tarsus was an established, had an established Jewish community, but predominantly was an urban cosmopolitan city heavily influenced by the Greco-Roman culture of the time. And, and what that meant, what Greco-Roman culture meant was that the, the Roman culture's cultural norms uh, and infrastructures and, and just different practices were very much present. Tarsus was a place renowned for being a hub for schools and lectures on philosophy, and they also uh, really took seriously uh, their religious practices. Um, Paul's tenure living in Tarsus uh, happened to be during the time when uh, people of Tarsus got Roman citizenship. And during his childhood, Paul's family would eventually uproot 500 miles and head to Jerusalem, where he would spend the rest of his days being uh, raised in the Jewish educational system, learning about the Torah and the prophets, and learned from one of the most greatly respected rabbis of the time, Gamliel. Now, Paul's upbringing made him a man that was, that was zealous about the Jewish faith. The momentum that the Christian movement called the way began to make forced him to act on the zeal that he had for his Jewish faith. And he would do so by endorsing the persecution and death of Christians. Paul would eventually have an encounter with Jesus that would radically transform his life. He would spend upwards of 13 years unlearning scripture the way that he knew it and recalibrating his faith to be more focused on Jesus. Paul then started his missionary journeys to share Jesus to the Jews and the Gentiles. Our passage finds Paul on his second missionary journey just coming out of Thessalonica. He had just been separated from his traveling buddies, uh, Timothy and Silas, and so he's walking into Athens all by himself. Verse 16 starts by saying that Paul was greatly distressed. But it's translated that Paul's spirit, or uh, pneuma, as we learned about last week, was stirred. Something bothered him. There was this deep-rooted conviction that he felt upon entering that city. This conviction came from that zealous personality that he had that lifelong zeal for faith. Even though his companions had not arrived yet in Athens, he knew he needed to act on his faith. He saw all the idols and needed to take action. So the first domino of Paul's ministry in the story is his willingness to embrace conviction. In verse 17, Paul acted on this conviction. It says that he was compelled to minister to the people. He reasoned with the Jews, and he spoke to the God-fearing Greeks, and he also uh, went to the marketplace and spoke there. Paul's conviction was so strong that he couldn't help but work towards letting people know who Jesus was. I think we typically love sharing our convictions with people, don't we? When we have a deep conviction, it's hard to keep it just to ourselves. Think about all the strong feelings we have on sports, politics, social issues, or the way others other people's children should be raised. It's easy for us to act or say something 
about the convictions that we feel. But one of the deepest convictions we should feel as a follower of Jesus is that conviction for other people to come to faith, to help other people come to know him. Do we feel that way? As we frequently find ourselves engulfed in a culture that can often go against what God's word teaches? Do we have a passion to let the world understand the truth that we know? Or would we rather just kind of sit back and blend in and not stir up anything? Paul would embrace this conviction, but he wouldn't do it with reckless abandonment. It can be easy to go into the world like a bull in a china shop and just declare in the name of truth who Jesus is and end up leaving a greater trail of debris than a trail of transformed lives. Paul had a method for sharing Jesus with the cities he visited. He would start by reaching out to the Jews in the synagogues and then make his way to the Gentiles in the city. While doing this, he would do so in a way that met them where they were at and was culturally relevant. He would talk scripture with the Jewish people. He would not use it with the Gentiles. Verse 18 shows us this when it tells him, tells him debating with different philosophers. Athens embodied the Greco-Roman world and was a hub for philosophy and religion. So how did, God, how did Paul communicate the truth of Jesus to them? He would speak in their terms. The second domino of, of Paul's ministry in Athens was his willingness to engage their culture. Paul appealed to the city's love of philosophy and religion as a way to establish common ground, a way to relate with them. A critical component to engaging culture in ministry is finding a common ground with the people you're trying to, to communicate with so that they can hear the gospel in a way that is effective. A little over a year ago, I had the privilege of traveling to Xenia, Ohio, and I toured the, the facility for Athletes in Action. Athletes in Action is a sports ministry whose mission is to build spiritual movements everywhere through the platform of sports so that everyone knows at least one person on a sports team that has a solid faith in Jesus, so that one person can make an impact on the world. They had amazing training facilities, baseball fields, soccer complex. They're working on a multi-sport indoor facility. But the most impressive thing about what I witnessed and experienced there was I got to sit in on a team meeting. They had a traveling baseball team that they were sponsoring and that the team was meeting up. I watched young athletes in a circle share their vulnerabilities and hard life experiences. I watched coaches speak truth, biblical truth into their life. And I watched their teammates encourage them and rally around them. Under the cultural guise of a team meeting, the coaches were creating spiritual growth and discipleship opportunities. They allowed for their common ground of sports to give them the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus. Paul shows us this passion in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 through 23. 
says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak, and to, the, uh, to become weak, to, to win the weak, I've become all things to all people so that by all means possible, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Paul had a passion to relate with people. He didn't just do his thing. He went to people and became what he needed to become to share the message. He went to the people of Athens and he spoke and debated with them about philosophical and religious concepts in terms they would recognize. By finding common ground first, it allowed for Paul to present the gospel in a way that people could be more receptive and actually take it in. Paul would use terms that they understood, but the concept of Jesus and the resurrection was a bit confusing. And it elicited curiosity from the people. This curiosity and confusion would give him the opportunity to speak to another important group of people. Verse 19 tells us that they took him to the Areopagus. The Areopagus was Athens' aristocratic city council. And it had about 100 people that were a part of it. And in verses 20 and 21, it sort of, sort of shows us what it was about. It was a place where the latest ideas on philosophy and religion would be talked about. Foreign cults were investigated and where people would be given uh, permission to speak publicly in front of the city of Athens. Paul engaged the culture of Athens by establishing common ground, by exciting their curiosity. And that gave him the platform he had to do what he was about to do. Standing in front of that council, Verses 22 and 23 show Paul addressing the religious nature of the council. He refers to an inscription on an altar he read that said, to an unknown God. And it's there we find the final domino of Paul's ministry in Athens. The final domino was his eagerness to communicate the gospel. His final speech to that council was huge. He eagerly shared the truth with them. He used that, that one inscription on an altar saying, to an unknown God, as his entering point to present truth. The truth of Jesus and his resurrection. When we look at Paul throughout the whole New Testament, we see this continued passion for just sharing the gospel unashamedly. He always displays an eagerness to go and tell people. Do we find ourselves with that same passion? Do we wake up in the morning and not be able to wait for the opportunity to share Jesus? Do we have that zeal that Paul had? Maybe it's time for us to take a play out of Paul's playbook and be a little bit more intentional with finding those opportunities. 
The dominoes of Paul's ministry were that he embraced his convictions, that he engaged the culture, and that he eagerly communicated the gospel. And we see the effect of these efforts at the end of chapter 17. In the last couple of verses, it says this. Acts 17, verses 32 through 34. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of his people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them were Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. The domino effect for Paul's ministry in this city was that some became followers. He became all things to all people so that some could become followers of Jesus. It might not seem like this great massive success to go into a big city and only win some of them. But Paul continued to be faithful. And he go to the next city, and to the next city, and to the next city. And people of faith grew like wildfire. The domino of effect of Paul's ministry would make an incredible impact missionally on Asia Minor. And his domino effect would continue and continue to where we are today, thousands of years later, where we learn from his stories, the letters he writ. We've explored the dominoes of Paul's ministry, but what's the tipping point for those dominoes to fall into place? What allowed for those dominoes to fall into motion? It was Paul's willingness to let his life circumstances equip him for his ministry. God had already perfectly equipped Paul for his calling. His Roman citizenship gave him the passport that he needed to travel around the Roman Empire. His zealous personality uh, from, helped him embrace his convictions. He could engage culture because his Jewish roots and education collaborated with his knowledge of the Greco-Roman culture from growing up in Tarsus. He established an eagerness to communicate the gospel because of the radical transformation he experienced when he met Jesus. The tipping point of Paul's ministry was his willingness and ability to exploit his circumstances. Now what I mean by this is that Paul was willing to make and, and full use and derive benefit from the experiences God had placed in his life to prepare him for ministry. If we're hoping to have a domino effect on the world around us and maximize our missional impact on the world, we have to utilize that same tipping point that Paul had. We have to be willing to utilize or exploit the circumstances that God has placed in our lives. For the former athletes, maybe it's using that platform of sport. For those who struggle with physical or have struggled with physical or mental illness, maybe it's reaching out to others that are going through what you have. For those who have lost loved ones, it could be using that shared experience with someone else to help them get through that time. 
all of our pasts have equipped us for some type of mission field. We just need to be willing to identify it, act faithfully on it, and let the dominoes fall where they will. Let's pray. God, we love you, and we thank you for what your word can teach us. Lord, I ask that all of us uh, be willing to, to utilize that different tipping point we might have in our lives that allow for us to communicate clearly the gospel in a way that reaches people. Lord, let our missional impact on the world be great, greater than we even can understand, generational. Lord, we ask that we have that same eagerness that Paul has, that we're willing to um, follow our convictions and that we're willing to engage the culture in a way they can understand it. We love you, God. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Each week we have a, a domino challenge that we make. And if you weren't here, uh, we still have some dominoes you can grab at the information table. And the goal of this domino is for us to put someplace in our house we can remember and where we can see it so we can remember the impact our faithfulness can have on the world. So here's your domino challenge for this week if you choose to partake in it. The domino challenge is to find time daily to pray to God, to reveal where you're being called to serve that utilizes the experiences that God has placed in your life. And then, like Paul, embrace it. Let me close you with this blessing. If you're seated, please stand. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.